What is going on everyone? This is Miles with Windows Central Gaming and welcome to the 74th episode of Xbox Chatterdays. Today I am stoked to be joined for the first time in far too long by my good pal Danny Pena of Gamertag Radio and G4. Danny, how are you doing on this fine Saturday, my dude? Hey Miles, man. Thank thank you for them for for inviting me here, man. It was uh it's been a while. I know we got to hang out a few weeks back in mm -hmm. Vegas and uh yeah, it's an honor to be here again, man. Uh you know, I can't wait for us to talk about some Xbox news and games and all that good stuff, man. Yes, we're at this interesting point in time. It's been a little slow when it comes to big megaton announcements, but we do have some really interesting stuff that we're going to dive into today. So we're going to be talking mm -hmm. about some delays from the Xbox camp. We're going to be mm -hmm. talking about the earnings for Microsoft and PlayStation that came out this week. We're going to be talking about the concerns over the impending recession. We're going to be talking about a new Marvel project. We're going to be talking about PlayStation targeting more acquisitions, the massive launch of multiverses, and so much more. But before we get into all of that, Danny, for maybe the folks who don't know, give us a quick breakdown of who you are, where they can find you, and what you're working on. Yeah, man. Uh, so my name is Danny Pena. I'm the founder and host, co-host of Gamer Tag Radio. The podcast has been around now for over 17 years. Mm -hmm. First gaming, first gaming podcast to hit 1,000 episodes. So we had Phil Spencer to celebrate uh, that episode. Um, but yeah, I, I co-host the show with Paris Lilly and, and also Peter Salido. And uh, yeah, you can find us uh, any podcast app. Just search for Gamertag Radio. We're there. And uh, I'm also the games editor lead at G4. So I'm part of the X-Play team. But I do a lot of like behind the scenes projects too with other shows like Arena. Uh, it's a WWE show uh, with Austin Creed. And also, um, I, I also worked with like Attack of the Show and, and the esports and everything. So, but yeah, so what I do is I, I book a lot of like uh, special guests on, on the show, a lot of reviews and also i get permission from from the publishers for us to air their games on uh linear on linear tv cable tv so uh so yeah that's what i do i and right now what i've been working on now for the past year or so i've been working with my cousin and his wife they have a, a book company called uh two quality people i'm working on a, a project that's releasing very very soon i'm probably gonna announce it in a couple of days but like the official date it's a children's book my first children's book based on my life based on the true story it's called danny loves video games and uh very excited for that project i, I can't wait to show it to the world it's really cool it's very 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 inspiring uh when people see this man and uh yeah man can't wait it's gonna be a lot of fun talking about it man yeah, I'm stoked to see that book out in the wild, stoked to get that date. I'm going to touch yeah. on a quick super chat here that kind of ties into that a little bit. Yeah, Mr. Sure. Mr. Joanna Dark says, hello to my dude, Miles the Goat, Don Pierre. To Danny, what inspired mm. you to write Danny Loves Video Games as a children's book versus a mm. more adult read? That's a great question for me. Um... I have a really interesting story. You know, I love to inspire people. And when I was young, I didn't have anyone to to take me to that path of like how to become a better content creator, you know, get into the gaming industry. I had to do everything on my own. And now that I'm in the industry, why not give back for those that up and coming, they would like to learn more about, about what the things that we do, you know? And at the same time, for the adults, especially the parents, for them to understand, like, look, there's people that see us talking about games and playing games, and they think it's just a waste of time. And I, and it's all about educating people. You know, I this is like my career now. 
Um, and I just want to educate the parents and also just give back and inspire a lot of the kids, man. That, that's the main goal for this, man. You know, uh, back then, it was very difficult for me to explain that to especially my, my parents and also uh, friends. Because at that time, people were making fun of me and they were like, oh, Dan, you're just wasting your time on this. Mm -hmm. and, and look now, you know, so um, 21 years now doing this with, with the whole gaming industry stuff, man. So it's pretty cool. Why not share that to everyone? Exactly. Yeah, that's a beautiful message. And get them started early because, yeah, we're in this uh, generational shift right now where, like you said, for a while, gaming was more of a niche thing, like telling mm -hmm. people that gaming was your career. Even now, even now when I tell family, they're like, what? You, you just talk mm -hmm. about video games for your job and play video games? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's, a, it's more than that. But I guess yeah. fundamentally, if you try to boil it down, so... Love mm -hmm. hearing that you're using your platform and your experience to, you know, get a new generation excited about it and show them that, you know, no matter who you are, where you're from, you have the potential to do that. And I think that's, I think that's yeah. beautiful. So I'm stoked. Yeah. Thank, thanks. And I have to mention this, you know, uh, you know, as a Latino, you know, back when I was growing up, you know, parents for, for my parents, they only had enough money to just pay the bills, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I got my first computer when I was in my 20s, when I was in college, you know, um, I had to get a loan just to get that. Now it's a lot easier, but back then it was, it was difficult for, for me. And, and there's people that are probably going through that stuff, man. So especially black and brown kids, I want to inspire them as much as possible, man. Just, you know, do what you got to do, man, and, and dream big because you never know. Uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned this to a lot of people, but, you know, 21 years ago, I was at the Xbox launch in Times mm -hmm. Square. You know, I got to play uh, video games with Bill Gates. I was playing uh, actually Fruits and Frenzy. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and it was cool. I, I did that and, you know, it was all over the news. And it was just me showing up with my recorder and, uh, you know, just interviewing the, the creators of, of the original console. And then 21 years later, that's when uh, Twitch gave me the opportunity to be on the Times Square billboard. I was actually four billboards in Times Square. And that's my hometown. And it was like a full circle story. And it's something that I love sharing that to people, man, because you never know what could happen, man. And then, you know, everything takes time. You know, that's one thing that a lot of the generation now, they want everything just fast, you know, and it's, it's everything takes time, man. You know, like you, Mouse, you're doing a great job with, with this show, with stuff that you've been doing to writing for, for Windows Central. And, and look, everything takes time, right? You know, mm -hmm. so yeah, you never yeah. know. I think it's this is the beginning for you, and it's gonna get even bigger and better for you, and for everybody else that are, are you know making moves. So. Yeah, it's important to share that message because yeah, for a while I had totally unrelated careers. Like I was invested in sales, marketing, business development, had high level executive jobs, and then at a certain mm -hmm. point I was like, this isn't what I want to do, and so I got a objectively later start in this whole journey. But like you said, if if you stick with it and you you know, talk to the right people and make the right moves. It's possible. It's definitely possible. So it's important to share that message because I see a lot of people, you know, get down on their potential and it's important to have somebody, you know, even if we don't necessarily know each other directly, it's important to have somebody championing the idea that, you know, you can succeed if, if you want. And um, yep. yeah, love that. Yeah. Love that, dude. Uh, thanks, man. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Wait, let me show you. This is the book right here. Hey. Oh, there it is. Oh, shoot. 
Yeah, there and the is. back, the back, it says "Dream big and do what you love." That's my my cousin's quote right there. Yeah, I so, love that. Actually, let me see if I can show one page or something. Oh, sneak peek, y'all! Sneak So there's one page here where this is it's gonna be an exclusive here, very quick. Uh, yeah, this is the part where I'm actually playing games for the first time, like for games for the first time and everything. Yeah. Then, so. And my parents in the background are like, what is it he's doing? What is this? Oh, God. This kid. This kid. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, the, the book is going to be in English and in Spanish. So I can't wait for that. Yes. Love that. Got to give a quick shout out to all the amazing people joining us live on this glorious Saturday. If you are watching on YouTube.com slash Windows Central Gaming, hit that like button. Share it out. We have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. If you are listening to the audio versions of the show, be sure to leave us a review if you're digging the show. And if you're not, also leave a review. You know, I, I don't mind the negative feedback as well. I'm going to get to some super chats before we dive into our first topic. First up, Hargi Chani says, am I to understand that Miles has not played Mass Effect 2 and 3? Miles, drop everything else and play Mass Effect, the best trilogy in gaming. Everyone in chat, type Mass Effect in chat. Miles must play Mass Effect. Okay, I've talked about this, you know, a lot. I've played Mass Effect 1, played a decent amount of Mass Effect 1. Um, I played the, the tutorial of Mass Effect 2. The very introduction of Mass Effect 2. My brother, a younger brother, loves Mass Effect. He's been harassing me for a, over a decade to get into Mass Effect. And I've, I've tried. I haven't played 3, and I've only played the very beginning of 2, but it's, it's just not my joint. You know, if, if people want to love it and celebrate it, I, I welcome you to do so. I have publicly talked about how sci-fi RPGs in particular, I'm very, I'm very particular about so um not to slander i don't want to slander it but to me the storytelling feels like battlestar galactica in video game form and i know people love battlestar galactica as well but i don't i, I don't and so <laughs> that that is a turnoff for me and i'm sorry i'm not trying to downplay anyone's love or excitement for mass effect love it but i'm not going back to the franchise i'm just not hey man mass effect 2 is a classic to me that's like the Empire Strikes Back out of the three. Of That's the what three everyone games. says. Mass Effect Two and is considered the goat, the the pinnacle. The goat. Yes, yeah. yes. And and I get it. When you play Part One, you know there were certain things that I felt like design wise wasn't there, right? But I felt like uh, Bioware did a better job with with Mass Effect Two. It's an amazing game, and plus the ending is fantastic. That's that to me is a, a legendary game. I love that one. I love. Mass I will say this: when the new Mass Effect comes out, I will play that. I will. Okay. As a reset, yeah. as some, as I won't have to play through an entire trilogy, I will mm -hmm. give the new Mass Effect a fair shake, and I will uh, see what that's yeah. all about. So. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Miles? Like a lot of people will, will you know, will say, "Oh, I'm, I'm angry." You know, I'm not, I'm not happy with with Miles because he doesn't like Mass Effect and everything. Look, I, I said this to this day, still I say this, man. I'm not a fan of Red Dead Redemption. Like I play Part Two, I think it looks great, it has a fantastic story, but it's not for me. And and that's that's the beauty, the beautiful part about gaming that not not everybody's gonna like the same thing. Everybody's gonna have their their favorite games and everything, man. You know, so and it's cool. Everybody's gonna have different opinions. Yeah, we all have our weird, you know, kinks, if you will, for what we like yeah. in a video game. And sometimes, exactly. even though a game is great, like I can look at Mass Effect and understand why people love it, and that's why I'm I'm not online slandering Mass Effect because even though it's not for me, 
I get why people like it. So I'm going to let people enjoy it. And There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. <laughs> Nick W with Super Chat says, I finished Live Alive last night and it's a masterpiece. Mm. I reviewed Live Alive for one of our sister sites. I gave it a 4.5 out of 5. Absolutely loved the game. Um, renewed my faith in mankind and humanity. It's a lot of really great stories about how, you know, regardless of your past or who you are, um, you can change. You can have, you can change yourself and you can change the people around you. Um, so yeah, if you want a really great anthology RPG, cannot recommend Live Alive Alive. Live Alive Enough and sweeten the deal it's only about 20 hours so it's not 100 hours xenoblade chronicles 3 just came out that's over 100 hours this is a nice tight 20 hours respects your time awesome. yo donnie with the super chat says video ojegos son love it <laughs> i love the spanish <laughs> uh mr joanna dark with another danny what advice would you give people who are starting or struggling to break into the industry how does someone build their brand to get noticed? Uh, a couple of things. Just go for it. Uh, just uh, don't wait until you get like the 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 perfect and best equipment. Just do what you, do it. For, go for it. And um, and later, you know, you could slowly upgrade and everything. And and one thing that I for me, I wasn't looking at numbers. I wasn't looking at like, oh, is it is in the top of the charts like my podcast? I was just having fun. Right. And at the same time, if you can go to where your community is at. So for me, back then, when podcasting wasn't that big, it was only you have to go to like the websites. I will go to like different local local retail stores in Miami and just find my community. I'll pass out flyers and and tell people like, hey, check out my radio show. I will never mention the word podcast. I didn't want to get uh, people to get confused and everything Uh, because at that time. People thought that they needed to to get a, an iPod in order for them to to listen to to mm-hmm. radio shows and podcasts back then. Yeah, yeah. So my advice is: um, look, just create content, have fun, don't look at numbers, but at the same time, show your talent to, to people. To show it um, if you go to different events and 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 just network, and also try to go to other people's uh, podcasts or shows. That that I think that's very very helpful, and it's a great way to spread the word about uh, the stuff that you do. So, and don't give up. Everything takes time, man. Mm-hmm. Everything, Everything takes, takes time. time. Mm-hmm. All right, Danny, let's dive into our first main topic of today's show. And this yes. comes from our good pal, Jeff Grubb, over at Giant Bomb. And he is reporting that EA is working on a new Marvel project. And this open world single player experience is going to be set in the Black Panther universe. So according to Jeff Grubb, an unnamed Seattle-based studio is going to be spearheading a Black Panther game. And in this game, you are playing the successor to Black Panther. Black Panther has died, and you are the new mantle. You are the new Panther. So, Danny, how are you feeling about the possibilities of a, of a Black Panther game from EA? I like the idea. Uh, I'm just curious to see how they're going to transition to the original story to this. Um, and I'm glad that it's a single player game uh, because even with Star Wars um, for for EA that was uh, developed by, by uh, Respawn, that has a fantastic, fantastic story um, that will get you even, even, even into more of uh, Star Wars and everything, right? So I'm wondering 
how the game plays. Is it going to be uh, third th- third person view? Um, the thing is, we haven't seen a great, great Marvel game in a very long time. I think the last one recently was uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, that has a fantastic and look. It's it, originally when when that game was announced, people thought that that game was going to be like a co-op multiplayer game. And it's not, it's all single player and look, has a great story. And, uh, I think I see the potential of this being a a pretty big game, man, for, for not only EA, but also for Marvel. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really curious. I've been going back and re-experiencing Marvel's Avengers recently to see the current state of the game. I picked up Mm -hmm. Marvel ultimate Alliance three on switch, had a ton of fun with that. And that kind of gave me the, the Marvel bug. And so I went back to Avengers because I played it at launch and I was really underwhelmed at launch. I did not really like the flow of the the campaign. I didn't really like the flow of the multiplayer loop. Um, but I've been playing recently and there's, there, there have been a lot of improvements. But the biggest improvement for me and the reason that I've been playing somewhat consistently is Black Panther, in my opinion, is the most fun character in Marvel's Avengers. Love, mm-hmm. love the energy, love the traversal, love that you can pounce on someone and just claw their face for as long as you want. So there's a lot of yeah. fun possibilities with that character. And so feeling Black Panther in Marvel's Avengers and then hearing this report of a Black Panther game from EA coming out that focuses on that has me excited because there are a lot of possibilities there. And we've seen Spider-Man, we've seen Hulk, and we've seen a lot of this, and Wolverine. We've seen a lot of oh, the Wolverine, s- I was going to mention that too. <laughs> we've seen a yeah. lot of the same main Marvel characters in video games um, throughout the course of the last several decades. So to get a Black Panther game, I think is a little more exciting because we can kind of predict, even though Spider-Man came out and, and really redefined the gameplay, we knew what it was going to feel like ultimately. We knew what it was going to be. But... We don't really know what a Black Panther game could be. So that's why I'm a little more excited about this than, you know, some of the other Marvel projects. Yeah. Is it going to be similar to Spider-Man? Something like open world? That would be fantastic if there's something like that. Like, I'm I'm also going to replay uh, Spider-Man that is coming out very soon on PC. I'm going to go and play that for sure. Because I just love the way how Samiak developed that, that game. You know, they learned the lessons from... For one of my favorite all-time favorite game, Sunset Overdrive, I love that yeah. game so much. God. But uh, but yeah, they learned from they learned on working on that game, and they made it even better with with Spider Man. And I love Miles Morales too. So I wonder if it's open world. I think that would be good, man. You know, something similar to uh, to like Spider Man, and also like mix it up with with The Witcher, third person, tons and tons of side quests and and the main story that will make you to go back and and play because a lot of the studios been trying to do this whole life service thing and it just doesn't work man it doesn't work at all and uh yeah like i enjoy the story of the avengers after i was done because i was just curious to see what was going to happen once i was done with that i moved on like i didn't really care about the online service at all man for me what about yeah, you yeah it's one of those things where i'm a big co-op player like i love co-op games and so with live service, there, there are cool possibilities to keep a game going and giving people reasons to invest in a game. But a lot of it really just boils down to these weekly, daily, monthly checklists. And that's, that's their form of engagement. And I understand that for a lot of us, that scratches that kind of lizard brain itch. Like, ooh, if I do this, I get something. And we, we like that. Just from a, a fundamental human perspective, we we like that feedback. So I understand those systems, but then you look at something like Elden Ring, 
And Elden Ring was a big, bold, single-player experience. It had co-op. The co-op was not leaning into any sort of games-as-a-service model, and that has been one of my favorite co-op games in a, in a super long time because it just really rewards how you want to play. And I'm not logging into Elden Ring to do daily checklists, which when I'm logging into Avengers, that's what I do. That's where my brain instantly goes, is to that weekly, to that, to that daily checklist. And so I am a big fan of co-op, but... Sometimes the plot gets lost when, when teams are trying to translate this, this idea from single player to multiplayer. And so if single player means the experience is going to be better because it's going to be a better story, better gameplay loop, then cool. But I would like to see you know, some experimentation when it comes to more meaningful co-op from these teams as opposed to we want to do multiplayer, so therefore we're just going to do a live service, games as a service game because... I'm looking at the eight battle passes I'm working on, Danny. I'm currently Thanks. sitting on eight battle passes, and I'm just bouncing between Fall Guys, between um, Pokemon Unite, between Halo Infinite, and all of these games, and I'm logging in, I'm doing the dailies, and I'm moving on to the next thing. And I just, the more I think about it, the more I realize that I don't want that. I just, I don't. Not every game needs to be a live service games as a service game. And I think as more and more people enter that space, it's only going to hurt the chances of a game being successful in that space because, like I touched on, we all have our chore lists for our favorite games and we're going to gravitate towards a small collection of them. So mm -hmm. multiplayer is fine. I would like more multiplayer, but it does not have to be a games as a service title. Yeah, you know what? It reminds me of when Bioshock 2 came out for the 360, because uh, part one is a classic. Everybody enjoyed the story, right? But I remember when 2K added multiplayer for the, for the second game, it made me not want to play the game at all because of the, I felt like it was like forced because that was like the hot thing. Everybody wants multiplayer in games. But then I went back when the Bioshock collection came out. So they had part one, part two, and also, um, the last Bioshock, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. it. There's no, there's no multiplayer in that version, right? So, like you said, not every game has to have multiplayer. Like it's it's or co-op. You know, it's okay to release, you know, uh, just single player games. That's fine. But the only the only thing is, Miles, when it comes to sales, I mean, now uh, companies could show like, look, look at the success of Elden Ring. So we could make a game that's single player and and it could be a huge huge success but i feel like a lot of the studios haven't really found the right formula on how to make that game a successful single player game exactly because it was a, it was a worry that if you had a big single player game that it wasn't going to do as well as a multiplayer and so like you touched on there were multiplayer things ham-fisted into every game bionic commando on the xbox 360 for whatever oh reason, that Woo. had a PvP mode just slammed into it. So I'm not a fan of just doing multiplayer just to have multiplayer. Sometimes yeah. it ends up being great. Uh, I remember The Last of Us multiplayer being surprisingly good. Had no expectations for that. Um, so there have been rare instances where this mode actually adds to the overall experience. But... I don't like the idea of doing it just for the sake to do it, of doing it. If you're going to bring a multiplayer idea to the table, it needs to enrich and enhance the single player, not just yes. be something that's there just to, so on the box art, you could say, oh, one to four players, so me and my friends can play. Uh, that's mm -hmm. 
that's not necessarily what we need. Even as someone who loves co-op stuff, that's that's not what we need for everything. You know what? I I think the right way, in my opinion, is the way how Ghost of Tsushima, when it came out, it was just single player. And then months later, surprise yeah. everyone with, with the multiplayer co-op. See, that makes sense. Something like that would be really, really cool. But not just like, hey, day one, both single player and multiplayer, you know, because sometimes it's like, Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, man. So uh, I think that would be the, the great, great formula and just, just surprise everyone with that out of nowhere. So know? let's talk a little bit about some concerns here regarding this project because mm -hmm. EA is publishing it. And we've seen EA come out with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and they've proven that they are excited and interested in delivering great, really, really well-regarded single-player experiences but a lot of people are still very cynical of EA's motivations in some instances. So do you personally have any concerns with EA being the publisher of Black Panther? No, uh, because of the success of Falling Order. I think uh, they have a very strong relationship with Disney and, and it, make, it just makes sense. You know, if it was something like what happened with Battlefront, part one and especially part two actually i was there at that event where uh the whole thing went down like we we uh went to the event uh and hands-on we captured a lot of the footage and the stuff that were recorded wasn't the same as the one that was out to the public and i think that's where like the the way how you buy like buy the items and everything in the game mm -hmm. and i think that that was a very confusing not only for us the content creators that were there the recording but also the the people that are watching the the videos online and they're like wait a minute why the price is different and it just didn't work out for ea but with the success of falling order why not there is a potential to make more uh single player games and it will be a huge success for both companies you know if they would have still done the whole live service games and 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 so on. I think it would have been a failure for for EA. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. Um, I just really want to know more of more information about the game and the way how you play and everything. And and I'm not worried at all. I know people are going to be thinking about the old Battlefront nonsense that happened, you know. But I'm okay with it. Yeah. It's a wait I, and see, wait and see situation. It's <laughs> exactly. It's I'm yeah. I. I have my criticism of EA as a horror fan, as a huge fan of Dead Space, the whole visceral situation and how they handled that. That to me is, you know, that was an era that proved that EA wasn't necessarily invested in making great games. They were just invested in making money. And yeah. at a certain point, these, these big publishers need to understand that if you just invest in a great game, you, you, you stick to your guns and you deliver a great experience, people are going to buy it. And I think... In, in the last five, six, seven years, we've just seen a resurgence of that, of people just doubling down, delivering ideas that they are excited about, they are passionate about, and the audience goes to that. And I think, you know, your Konamis of the world, your EAs, who had this period of time where they were focused on exclusively the bottom line, and how do we feed into trends? How do we make something that checks all of these boxes so people buy it? As we're seeing with stuff like Battlefield, um, you can't, you can't do that and do that repeatedly and expect people to keep coming back to you. At a certain point, as we've seen with a lot of very hardcore, very passionate people in the community, they're not going to give you a second chance. 
They are going to they are going to use one example until the end of time. So no matter what you do, somebody in the comments is going to drop this one thing that you did and they're never going to let you live it down. And so I think a lot of these publishers are understanding that we need to make sure that first and foremost, our games are good. Because in this yeah, day and age, you, yeah. there's so much competition. If your game is not good, people will move on to something else. And that is, that's the bottom line. I think at the end of the day, vote with your wallet. Um, post your feedback to, to whoever is the community manager for that game, just so they can pass that to the higher-ups, right? Uh, w without posting nonsense online, you know, threats and all that stuff. But um by us voting with our wallet we can make a huge difference man you know look at the success of falling order game of the year nominations and everything right mm -hmm. and, and yeah. still to this day people are playing it and they're very excited for part two even with us buying games like elden ring the witcher 3 and all those games are just single player games there's no multiplayer in there right when we vote with our wallet then other companies because of the competition now we're going to get to see more more of these type of games, the single player games, you know? So it's all up to us, man. It's all up to us, I think, at the end of the day. Let's talk about a couple delays. We'll start with a delay on the Xbox camp and people, and mm -hmm. this is an Xbox show. I hear it, I see it constantly. A lot of people are not thrilled about the output first party wise or exclusive wise from Xbox in 2022. And yeah, I'm not going to tell you that you should be excited about the first party output because there's not really much to talk about in that sense. Um, but there was another delay announced this week from a partner project that was going to be one of the noteworthy fall console exclusives for Xbox, and that was Warhammer 40,000 Darktide. And so that has been delayed out of September, and they're doing a strange staggered release. So there's a couple things I want to talk about with this situation. So Warhammer is now launching in November on PC and then coming shortly after, quote, quotes, to Xbox Series X and S. So they're not even doing a, a it was originally supposed to launch on PC and Xbox Series X and S with crossplay. And now it's launching on PC first and the console versions are coming later. So how is this delay hitting you? Is this something you would consider a big deal? No, uh, it's... It's normal to me now, man. Look, we're still still technically in the middle of the pandemic. Um, you'll be surprised how many games has been delayed <laughs> behind the scenes. Exactly. Because yeah, that of that. we don't know about. Yeah, yeah. And and it's every company. It's not only it's not only Xbox, it's every every company's going through this, man. So I'd rather I'd rather for a studio to take their time with whatever game they're working on, um, until it's it's right. Until it's like great experience. Um, a way for us to play and have a good time. Because the worst experience is getting a game and you have like the worst experience is buggy. You can't yeah. even play online. The servers doesn't work. Nah, man. I'd rather, I'd rather companies take their time. I don't get mad anymore, man. Back then when I was just, you know, online, just all angry. Oh, man, I want this game to what come out. What the hell? What nah, the not anymore. Now, and actually, I played that game. I played uh, during the Summer Game Fest, and it was, it was actually fun. It was buggy, you know. Uh, it was the PC version. It, was the, it wasn't the console version at all. But uh, yeah, t take, their, take their time, man. It has the potential to be fun. Exactly, yeah. They're, they're delaying it for polish reasons. That, that's the main reason that they've cited for this delay. And I have heard from people who are playtesting it that it is a bit on the buggier side, a bit on the jankier side when it comes to like enemies falling through the floor, you getting stuck. So that's not an experience you want to ship to anyone. No. 
And with it <laughs> launching an Xbox Game Pass, a huge number of people will play it. So that's going to mean a lot of people are going to be way faster to drop it if there are bugs. Um, so I am, you know, and, and this, like you said, in this day and age, a delay is a delay. Um, it's not going, it's not for me, not the end of the world. I look at everything else coming out this year, still have a lot of stuff that I'm going to be playing. I do understand that if you only have an Xbox platform, you are invested exclusively in the Xbox ecosystem. Delays like that are a disappointment considering everything else that happened this year. But ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, hopefully this means when Warhammer Darktide ships, it'll be a, a damn good game. It'll be the game that all of us want it to be because, you know, I'm, I love a good, dumb horror shooter. And this looks like, again, I don't like to say it's a clone of Left 4 Dead, but it's clearly inspired by that formula. And my friend group is very excited to dive into it. And it would be such a bummer if it launched and it was not great and we just moved on. Because chances are, in this day and age, you don't come back. In some cases, we will come back to games. But a lot of the times, when we have a negative experience initially, we're moving on to the next thing. There are plenty of games to fill our time. So you need to make a good first impression. And so if that means a couple more months, it is what it is. How do you feel about the staggered release? Do you think that's, that's the right move? Doing PC first and then console later? been used to that that had been happening for a very long time you know um there's games that come down on a pc first which i played it right mm -hmm. even when i didn't have a pc i'll play it through the steam machine and then just wait until the console version comes out so i'm very i'm used to that but here's the thing miles that people also have to understand there was a time back in the days you know um where especially like the early days of like the Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, there wasn't that many releases of games. So we uh -huh. were used to that. You know, I think this generation, we're so used to constantly something new, right? But I'm happy that now I have the option to play multiple, multiple games, not only on Xbox, but any other platform, especially on PC. And there's so many indie games that will also will keep up busy until the release of the next big big game you know so that's something that i, I think we have to also get used to man <laughs> like games coming out first on pc and then console you know so yeah it's something it's again a, it is yeah, something that happens frequently uh, a yeah. lot of games will come to pc first and then come to console later on i think mm -hmm. the reason there's a lot of focus on this particular instance is because this was xbox marketed game a game pass release and cross play was a big kind of selling point for for the community there so again i'm not too upset it is weird if you're going to delay it not like why not just delay it a little bit further yeah. if that's what it means but you know. i'll tell you i'll tell you this and i'm sorry to cut you off the only part that i'm worried is so many releases at around early early 2023 you know oh, even yeah. when Yep. Yeah, even when I was at the the Xbox showcase, uh, Matt Booty said that uh, right after the showcase, he went on stage with with Sarah and and Phil, and they were just you know asking questions and talking to the fans. And one of the things that Matt Booty was saying, he's like, "Look, we even struggling. We don't know. We're trying to figure out what games is going to release first or what. Like the calendar is looking pretty crazy." Um, and I think that was only one year that Xbox had so many first party games. And this is during the Xbox 360 days. I can't remember what year. I think it was like 07 or 08 where they had Lost Odyssey, uh, Blue Dragon. They had like so many first parties plus adding the third party releases. It was it was a lot. But the thing is, 
um, the majority of people are not going to buy every single game that comes out, right? There's going to be some that are into just RPGs or something into action, first person, you know, or just indies. So it makes sense why they're releasing these games like this because they're constantly want to add nonstop games, uh, release, game releases on, on Game Pass. At the end of the day, they want more people to, to subscribe to the service, you know, and now you have the options of, of what type of game do you want to want to play? Yeah, you talk about early 2023, and that's a a period that I'm concerned about. As we've mm -hmm. had a lot of delays, and we have those fiscal year pressures at the end of March, I really don't want to see a scenario where every big publisher is like, okay, we're putting out our biggest games of the year in February and March. And everybody, we already know Resident Evil 4 is in that space. There's a lot of other potential candidates that are going to be stacked head to head to head. And no matter how great all of these games are, they all can't succeed on the same levels. As we mm -hmm. saw with kind of Elden Ring and uh, Horizon this year, even though Horizon was considered a great game, people really loved it, having that direct competition back to back for games that are in a similar genre for a similar audience, chances are people aren't going to buy both huge open world RPGs. The average person is not going to be like, I'm buying an open world massive RPG one week and then the week, the next week I'm buying another one. That is not the average player. There are people who will do that, but I really need publishers to understand that you have to spread that out. You all don't need to be in the exact same window. I understand the fiscal concerns. I understand that pressure, but ultimately if you put it in a month where nothing else is around, your game is going to do better. Like just statistically, there's only, only so many dollars in the customer's pocket and you need to space it out. And, you yeah. know, we see that Nope, the, the movie Nope is a great example. Jordan Peele, his three, his last three movies have been number one in the box office. And you know why? Timing. The movies are excellent. Don't get me wrong, but they are strategically placed. So when they hit the theaters, they are the thing to see. We need games to be able to do that as well. And I'm tired of all of these companies be like, October, look at October's calendar right now. It is dumb. What are it, these people thinking? Ridiculous. Why? Why are you it's doing that? Yeah, yeah. And, and here's the thing. Again, this is, this is why it's good to learn your history, learn from the mistakes and, and the success of all these uh, gaming publishers and also studios that releases these games. The reason why the Nintendo Switch was a huge success and if you go back the first year, every month there was an exclusive game release, and it was totally different from each other, right? So that year, Mario Kart came out, which was a, a port, you know, Zelda mm -hmm. came out. So if Xbox could do something like that, where for 2023, you have your third-party releases coming out here and there, right? But there's always going to be that one major game per month that is going to help not only the sales for the games, but also the success of, of Xbox Game Pass, that formula will work out. Like, for example, why not release, let's make believe, uh, Warhammer in, in March and release a different game, which is totally different than that, Starfield uh, the month after that. You know, something like that, where it's not the same type of games, it's totally different from each other and i think that's going to help people that get excited about the console about the platform and and xbox game pass in my opinion yeah because what was it last holiday where we had call of duty battlefield and halo infinite all launching within a month of each other mm -hmm. like i understand the holiday push 
and people more people are going to be willing to buy video games around the holidays but still like mm. i feel like that is such a strange approach and i understand competition is important and you want to be like and you want to be confident of your game and you want to throw your game against anyone's game and say that it is going to be the choice but also i feel like if you just pushed it a month or two let mm -hmm. whatever other big shooter have its its day, and then you could have that resurgence. You could be the next hot thing. Instead of three games coming out, only one of them is the hot thing. Everything else is just pushed to the side, and that's usually what happens, regardless of how great or big these games are, and it's just um, interesting. It is a really interesting conversation when we look at scheduling and spacing and how much of it is tied to quarterly concerns versus, you know, the opportunity that a game will actually succeed in its release window. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, man. Totally, totally agree. It's it's going to be a very interesting 2023. And look, there's going to be so many games for 2023 and up that's coming out that we're going to be like, okay, it's too much. It's too many games. Like people are always going to find <laughs> different reasons to complain about these things, man. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking yeah. at the rest of this year. And I'm I have a calendar right now and I'm I'm going through and I'm like crossing stuff off. I'm looking at the, the slate and saying, I won't have time for this game. I won't have time for this game. This game I'm getting for sure. This game I'm getting for sure. And then I'll have yeah. two games back to back. I'm like, oh no, what game am I getting between? I can't, I can't do both. And so I can't keep up. I can't keep no, up. No, there's only so much time in a day, Danny. I don't have yeah, that yeah. time. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Hey man, be happy that our industry is overall doing well and you know, is it perfect? No, but it's 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 a great time to be a gamer at the end of the day, man. Mm -hmm. That's exactly. how I see it. Yeah. Uh, quick shout out to all the amazing people joining us live. If you are digging the show, hit the like button, share it out. Let's talk about a big noteworthy Xbox release coming in 2022. And that's Grounded 1.0, which got its official release date this week. At the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase, it was announced that Grounded 1.0 would be launching in September, but this week we have gotten confirmation that September 27th, Grounded 1.0 is coming. In addition to adding a bunch of quality of life features, new bugs to slaughter, it's also going to be adding the cohesive overarching story to Grounded. And Grounded for me, has it's become one of my favorite survival games. I'm a sucker for survival games. I've put hundreds of hours into things like Ark. So I was interested in Grounded. Loved the quirky art style. The setting is genius. I don't care even if you like the game or not. Having a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids survival game where you are living and fighting bugs in the backyard, that is an ingenious idea for a video game. And I'm surprised it took this long to get it. Uh, so I love Grounded. Really incredibly excited about the 1.0 release. Danny, first question. Yes. Have you played much Grounded? And secondly, if you have, are you diving back in with 1.0? I'm excited to play Grounded again. So I started playing Grounded when it first came out. Um, and I had a great time. I stopped on purpose because I... The thing with early access games, I don't want to play the game all the way and then I get burned out like I'm yep. already done. So I played a little bit and now I'm just waiting for the official release. So now I could start from scratch. I could play with my wife and uh, and, and also with friends. Uh, the game, it, it's a lot, a lot of fun, man. And I'm curious to see what is it they're going to add like when it comes to like story and everything like that. So I'm very excited to play, man. And shout out to Obsidian. They actually came uh, to the studio. They gave us a hint that the official release was coming out soon. 
Um, but yeah, they they uh, we got to play the game with with the team and everything on X Play, so it was a lot of fun. So make sure to go check out X Play content there, man. So um, yeah, I'm very excited. I know during Comic Con they had um, an area where you could go and take pictures, old grounded theme, and it's really really cool, man. So. But the part that I'm very happy to see that Xbox gave it a green light for this game to to come out, because it was a very small group of developers that were doing this as a, like a passion project um, at Obsidian. And uh, and look at the success, man. You never know what could happen. See, that's the part where a lot of the, the gamers don't understand. When we get to see games like this um, on Game Pass, that's the reason why we get get to see a lot of the the games as just like a test to see if it's going to work out. These are the type of games that's perfect for the service, man. You yeah. know that it won't like for me, it won't be a huge success at retail, but it could be a huge success for services like Game Pass. Yeah, it's just another supplemental op- option, a reason to be excited about the Xbox ecosystem, a reason to be excited about subscribing to Game Pass. And again, not every game is for everyone. And I see a lot of people who are really invested in the Xbox ecosystem. Look at Game Pass's like selection for whatever the month is, July, for example, and say, I'm not excited about you know most of these games. But they're not trying to have you be excited about every single game. They're trying to get certain people and more people excited about something. And that is really important, having that diverse slate of titles. And Grounded, to me, like you touched on, a small passion project within Obsidian, a group of people who had a cool idea and were enabled to deliver this cool idea. And I love it. It's getting a a TV series. Clearly, there is some brand association with this. And I really am stoked to see what the story is because my wife and i love this game we, we play it every time there's a big update we'll go we'll start over and we'll replay it and again like you i've stopped for the last few because i was worried of getting burnt out before 1.0 hit but it's been several months and so we've been waiting to dive in for the next update and there's always been these little nuggets of what the story could be why you're shrunk why why the, what the scientist is working on within this world so to have that cohesive overarching story delivered has me excited because the core gameplay and the survival elements and all of the the clever ways that they leverage these bugs it's such a great experience and it's so cool that that exists from a, a bigger publisher like microsoft yeah and there's potential for even the younger crowd especially like parents and with their kids playing this as co-op like this is it has so so much potential. And I can't wait for the series too. I wonder what what they're gonna do with that man. Like you know, Honey, I Strike the uh, Honey, I Strike the Kids was a huge success for Disney yeah. back in the days. You know, so uh, this is genius, genius move in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. So that is again, that is one of the most noteworthy Xbox first party releases of 2022, and I'm definitely gonna be diving back into that. All right, Danny, now we're gonna talk about some numbers. We're gonna be talking a lot about earnings for Xbox and PlayStation, how that ties into the industry. Before mm-hmm. we do that, I'm gonna to get to a super chat real quick here from Nick, who says, there's only so much time to play these games. Yes, there's not enough time in the day for, for most games for me, and it breaks my heart. You know, I gotta, you know, I gotta work, I gotta do other things. I wish I could just play video games all day. And even if I could, I don't think I could fit in everything I want to, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean look for me that i'm traveling that's why i have my steam deck with me or my switch because i <laughs> i just don't have the time when i'm moving around and, and working i just don't have the time to play a lot of games man but when i do i'm very, very picky on what to play man 
know, so. Yeah, Paris is saying, tell Danny to let me have a Steam Deck. I thought you, you, know, you, yeah. you had it already. You, you know, what? Look, Paris, Paris, look, give me your Tesla, then we could talk, man. All right, there you go. Fair trade Steam Deck for a Tesla? Yes. Steam Decks are hard to get right now. Come on, dude. Tesla's hey. dime a dozen. You can get those, shoe anytime, baby. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, all right, let's dive into Xbox earnings. So this week, Microsoft shared its financial results for fiscal year 2022 quarter four, which ended on June 30th. So there's a lot of information, a lot to dive into. I'm not gonna be diving into all of it, but I will break down some of the highlights in terms of Xbox and how the gaming business is doing for Microsoft right now. So we have a 6% year over year drop in Xbox revenue. They are saying this is due to lower engagement and limited hardware supply. Xbox revenue was down 11%, and this decrease was offset partially by Xbox Game Pass subscribers. Xbox is also expecting a small decline in the upcoming quarter as well due to declines in first-party content. So, a lot of declines right now, and we're going to be talking a lot about declines for Xbox, PlayStation, and the industry as we look to the last few months, the last couple quarters in the industry, as we look to Microsoft delaying big first-party games like Redfall, like Starfield, they're not going to have anything to really supplement that in the interim. There's going to be a big stretch without huge first-party games, and they are attributing that to another quarter of decline. That being said, the decline that they are expecting is single digits, is what they're saying. We'll see how that all pans out. But, Danny, Xbox has broken down their reasons for these these drops in revenue um what do you think are the main factors when we look at the industry right now and we look at xbox why is there a dip in revenue and hardware uh it's, it's recession man i think uh, the economy is not that great right now man that's one of them another two is you know i think that people are just waiting for that big game too to come out mm -hmm. uh, especially like a game like starfield that got delayed a lot of the big first party games um that's another reason too so is it going to be the end for for the company no mm -hmm. we've seen this multiple times at the, multiple times not only for xbox but for multiple uh companies you know so um i think once once we get to see all these big first party games coming out sometime next year, I think that's going to be uh, a time where they're going to come back and, and come back strong. I think. Yeah. It's again, there was a lot of people spinning, spinning yarns when the, the, these figures came out about, you know, Xbox on the decline after all mm -hmm. of these, these quarters of increase. And one quick note before we dive into the de decline some more, fiscal year 2022 was the biggest year Xbox Biggest year ever for Xbox. Yes. Even with this decline, this was still a massive, massive year with billions and billions of dollars coming into the Xbox ecosystem. So from a general standpoint, Xbox is doing better than they ever have. And we are just at this period of time where, in, if we look at the last quarter in particular, there haven't been a lot of huge, massive releases. There, there just haven't been. And that has hurt the revenue. Elden, we, we had Elden Ring last quarter. So not as a part of this fiscal quarter, but the one before that. And everybody was doing well because Elden mm -hmm. Ring was this huge release that regardless of platform, people were buying by the millions. And even though it's not first party, these platforms still get a piece of that revenue. And without a big noteworthy first party game to offset that and no other big third party game dropping in this space, there's understandably going to be a decline. And we're also seeing 
COVID restrictions in some areas be lifted. And it's also summer. So people are maybe out traveling, you know, enjoying nature, not something that I'd partake in, but you know, there are people who go outside. That's a thing that exists. And touch, and touch a grass. Yeah. Go, yeah. Go touch some grass y'all. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there yeah, are, yeah. I was just going to say, there are a lot of objectively boring factors as to why we're seeing, you know, smaller declines with Xbox right now. Yeah, and and two things. This is why Xbox has been very very successful this generation. There's two things. One is Xbox Game Pass, and number two, the Xbox Series S. The price that console you could find that everywhere, you know. Um, and honestly, for me, that's my favorite console of this generation. It's the Xbox Series S. I remember when that console got leaked um, back in 2020. Early 2020. Was it mid-2020? Something around there. People were like, oh, who is going to buy this? It's not graphically compared to like Xbox Series X. But guess what, folks? A lot of the parents are going to look at that and they'll be like, should I buy the most expensive console or I should just buy a great console that is cheap, well-designed, and, and I could still play my Xbox Game Pass games? Of course, it's no brainer. You're going to go for the cheaper console, you know? So I think that's the main reason why Xbox has been successful. Like right now, you go to any store, you will find Xbox Series S everywhere. But the X is really, really hard to find. Yeah, that that's an excellent point because, mm-hmm. you know, as much as people in the Xbox camp and people like us who have the Series X have dedicated gaming PCs, we're a little disappointed in the hardware on the Nintendo side. We would, I don't care who you are. I think we all want a more powerful version of the switch as we're seeing with the steam deck, which is essentially that for a lot of folks is mm-hmm. we, we want that, but Nintendo understands that at a certain point, you know, 500 bucks versus 300 bucks for a lot of families, for a lot of households, mm-hmm. you know, 300 bucks, regardless of the power, a lot of these people are willing to just, you know, play these games and enjoy these games without them being 4k 60. And they're still selling, you know, we talk about first party game sales and a lot of people are loud and proud about PlayStation sales, but they, de- they don't come close 90% of the time to Nintendo's first party. And Nintendo has the weakest platform in terms of raw power. So for a lot of people, it is clear that raw power isn't the biggest selling point. So if you can get something that plays games well enough for 300 bucks, let's go. That's going to open a lot of doors for, because the reality is... There is a huge percentage of people that will never, ever, ever, ever pay $500 for a console. It can do anything. It could, it could drive you to the bank and they're not going to pay $500 for it. Like that's just, that's just the reality. Yeah. The hardcore fans, definitely. They're going to go all out and and do that. But the average consumer, the majority, which is the majority in the industry, they're going to go with whatever is cheap. That's why. A lot of a lot of the casual gamers, they'll wait until the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series X. When the prices goes down, that's when they're gonna go and buy the new next gen. There's people that are still playing the Xbox One and, and PlayStation 4 still to this day because mm-hmm. they're waiting for the right price. They're waiting for the right yeah, price. They're waiting and for there's the price nothing, drop. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why there's studios that still are creating games multi-platform still from last gen too still to this day because there's no they know that there's a whole market of people that are still waiting you know for many different reasons maybe because maybe the price or it's just hard to find etc you know so um i don't 
I don't see that as like a, a bad thing. I think that's great. Yeah. And I, I feel like more more people are going to get into the industry and buy these games. And it's good for business, man. You know, so I bet you that in the future, we're going to get to see, you know, a smaller, slim version of, of the PlayStation 5. And it's going to be cheaper because of the success of Xbox Series S, you know. And especially this holiday, you're going to get to see that box everywhere promoted everywhere because it's cheap and and it will be a great way for xbox to sell consoles man yeah and that's another big reason that xbox is leaning into cloud gaming and going to where people already are because ultimately even at 300 bucks people are like eh, i don't know that i need it like i don't and but if you can tell them hey if you have a, a pc you have a, a laptop you have a phone you have a tv now with the samsung integration you can play xbox games on there you can play video game and there's gonna be a lot of people like i know people within my family who aren't gonna buy a console but if i tell them that they can play halo on their tv they're gonna be like all right yeah let's i'll check it out i'll I'll, yeah. I'll i'll experiment with game pass and see if i can have a good experience playing it and ultimately the more people that are invested in the industry that is only going to help grow the industry and that's only going to give us better games in theory mm -hmm. theoretically that should give us better games and as I, that's you know the end goal for a lot of these companies just to get more players in because that makes the yeah. overall market healthier and yeah. so i don't care where people play i'm just excited that more people are willing to you know get back into gaming or try gaming for the first time yeah you know miles the the i play the the gaming hub samsung gaming hub it's incredible like the it, it feels like i'm actually playing a console like it's the features is amazing. The only issue that I have is I wish that was available on other versions of, of the Samsung TV. Like, I yeah. just bought two Samsung TVs last year. It's not the 2022 version, but I don't have access to playing those games. And that's a missed opportunity for Samsung. Um, like, how can you um, prove that this service works? You have to have at least demos, get some influencers that um, that they could show in real time, not at an event, that this actually works, man. You know, so people are going to be very, very careful. Like, oh, should I buy a $1,000 plus TV just to play Gaming Hub? Give us reasons why the average person should invest on that. People are going to go and buy the cheaper version or they'll, play, they'll buy the, the Xbox Series S because of that, you know? So um, that's one another thing. Now, for the Xbox side, have have different options more than just the phones and the TVs to play these these games, man. Why not have you know some like little devices that you could just plug it into to your TV and and also have an opportunity to play S Cloud games in there too, man. So this is just the beginning. I, I feel like for S Cloud, it's gonna grow, man, with different different ways how to play it. Yeah, and I think that's the reason Xbox is working on having that great cloud complementary device that's super cheap option that right like you you have a great tv you're not going to go out and spend another 1500 bucks on a new tv you just bought one but mm -hmm. if microsoft says here you go 100 bucks plug this in you're good to go all of the hardware mm -hmm. you need all of the software you need to have a great streaming experience boom there you go we'll bundle in three months of game pass and a controller at 100 bucks you're you're out the door you're rocking let's go um mm -hmm. If they can do that, again, that's just another option. It's not going to replace the native experience for a lot of folks. Like like you and I, a lot of the folks in the chat, probably we want that native experience. We're used to that. That is the experience we want. But there are a lot of people, as we've seen with video streaming quality, that as long as you get it good enough, people are willing to overlook a lot of things. 
Like you could go out buy the 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray, and you can get that pre the crisp, no artifacting whatsoever, the premium fidelity, 7.1 surround sound. You can get all of that, and there are people who want that. But then you have 95% of people are like, I don't watch it on Netflix. I'm gonna watch it at 720p with artifacting in in stereo, and I'm good. I'm I'm yeah. I watched Morbius on a plane on a five inch screen with a a a short in my headphone jack on my on my armchair rest. It was fine, you know. Like it wasn't the best premium experience, but it was doable. The convenience was there, and I think as long as these companies understand that they need to lean into that convenience, a lot of people are gonna be just fine with 1080p 60. Yeah, you know what? Um, I have to mention this because I I've been part of the S Cloud uh, service for, for a very long time. Even uh, during the 2020, during the, when the start of the pandemic, I will go and get my phone. Actually, in 2019, 2019. So I will I'll get my phone, go to let's say Central Park in the middle of Central Park. I'm there playing Minecraft Dungeons. I'm playing Halo. I'm playing all kinds of games on a 5G service and flawless smooth experience i know it's going to be different for depending on the location you're at but mm, yeah it was fun like there's so much potential of people playing their games on the go as long as there's a service there and it's smooth oh my god like so much potential i think exactly huge potential because that's the beauty of it as again there are still barriers with native you know, if you're doing the disc, you got to install, you got to put the disc in, install the game. If you're, you know, having a digital copy, you either have to update it or install. God, Marvel's Avengers, 160 gigs, dude. That yeah, game is lot. huge. <laughs> that's that huge. Is huge. Imagine, imagine I just click a button and that, and I just play the game. I don't have to download anything, especially if I'm on a flight. Like I wish there was like a better uh, internet connection on a flight. Oh, oh yeah. That would be Play, the playing. Yeah, if they could, if Xbox could um, partner up with like a a company, Google Flight or or something like T-Mobile, maybe or I don't know, where you could go and even on the plane where there's a controller, there's a screen because there's there's movies already in, available there that you could watch. You could watch also live stream, which Directv partners with all these airlines. Imagine going, let's say you're traveling from the states international flight right and you have internet connection there and you go on the screen and it's like it's the xbox app you click it there's a controller and all you have to do is just sign in all your all your achievements all your saves is there and you start playing on the go dude that will be genius something like mm -hmm. that they could do and there's potential for that to happen in the future too exactly and again it's 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 just a supplement it's not designed to replace that experience but mm -hmm. like you said, if I have options and I can just go on a flight with just my phone and I'm set, my phone and a mm -hmm. controller, if I want the controller experience and play Xbox games, awesome. One less thing, that, I always bring my Switch when I travel, but if it's just one less thing I can carry and that experience is good enough, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. It's all about easy access, I think, at the end of the day, because people will get frustrated and move on. <laughs> it's, so. it's one of those things where clearly for a lot of people, we have learned that convenience is more important than anything else. Yes. Quality for most people is secondary to convenience. And that's, that's what xCloud Gaming understands, I think. Mm -hmm. Clip that. Remember that. Clip, <laughs> clip that. Uh, 
Let's talk about PlayStation earnings, because when we saw the declines from Xbox, there were a lot of people invested on the PlayStation side saying, oh, dang, Xbox is hurting right now. Xbox is on the decline, bro. And then we got the PlayStation results a couple days later. And whoa, what a plot twist. PlayStation also on the decline. What a what a time. What a world that we're in. And so now we have people, you know, saying that, oh, it's the industry. Should the industry be worried? Should we be scared? Before we dive into that, though, I want to just highlight some of the, again, I'm not going to break down all of the numbers. There are a bunch of juicy numbers for people really invest in those financial results. But here are the highlights from the PlayStation earnings from fiscal year 2022 quarter one. Revenue dropped 2%. Profit dropped 37%. And it was announced that PlayStation has also shipped 21.7 million lifetime units for the PS. Five. PlayStation has also cited similar reasons to Xbox for these declines, hardware restrictions and lower engagement and less software sales. So the one particular thing I want to highlight here that I find the most interesting is revenue dropping 2%, whatever. That's not even that interesting to talk about. Yeah. But their profit declining 37%, that's interesting. So do you have any speculation as to why PlayStation saw a 37% decrease in profits in their last fiscal quarter. Yeah, I think it's similar to the Xbox, you know, because of the recession and everything that's going on now with, with that. But also, multiple reasons. It's really hard to find a PlayStation 5 in store still to this day. It's really, really hard. And you have these ridiculous bots that's always buying these consoles online and it's, it's just hard for the average person just to buy a console man you know or if there is a ps5 at the stores there's people lined up just to buy a console that's number one number two the price if you compare the two different versions of the playstation 5 is still more expensive than the xbox series s so the average consumer are not going to buy they're just going to wait until the prices goes down or they probably will wait until maybe sometime next year when PlayStation 5 release a slim and cheaper version of that. It's working for, for Xbox with the Xbox Series S. PlayStation could do the same exact thing, man, and have a cheaper version. You know, I waited. I waited for for me to buy a PlayStation 4. I waited for months because, uh, one, it was hard to find. Two, um, I waited for the price to go down, you know? And why not? The, a lot of the majority of people are going to do that, man. Plus, there's not that many games coming out from first party. And when they when they do come out, the sad part, the the PlayStation owners are not actually like the the majority are not buying these games, man. Like Ratchet and Clank, one of my favorite games that came out. When I saw the numbers, I'm like, that's that's depressing. Like, why not support these type of games, man? You know, if you're a fan of of PlayStation games. Go out there and support your, your first party games, man. You know, so there's a lot of mixed reasons why. And plus, I think the the subscription service is is a little bit confusing to compared to the Xbox Series S, uh, Xbox Series S and X. Um, so I mean that that's my my opinion. I think why the decline is just all over the place for for PlayStation. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be the end for PlayStation. It's going to be different during the holidays and even sometime next year, once we get to see more first party games that come out. Yeah, there are a lot of factors to really discuss here. First mm -hmm. and foremost, yes, the hardware restrictions, I think are limiting the potential for these 
first party or these PS5 only titles to have an opportunity. Now, mm -hmm. we've seen big milestones for games like God of War 2018, but the reality is the install base when God of War launched was so much bigger than PS5 can even be right now. So none of your game, regardless of how good they are, and I see people talk about that like, oh, this game sold less, this game sold less. We're not even at like a fifth of the of the PS4 install base right now with PS5. And that is a reason that no matter how excellent these games are, they can't sell. And so we saw a lot of people, you know, lambasting Xbox for not leaning into, you know, next gen only releases. But I think in hindsight, that was the right call with these hardware shortages, with the the install base, that gives more options for these games to do well. Another thing that PlayStation has been hesitant to lean into is day and date PC releases. And I think those days are near, near and done. I think we're getting really, really close to PlayStation understanding that it's not going to impact their PlayStation audience to release a game day and date on PC, and they're only going to make more money. Another huge thing worth discussing, games objectively take longer to make and cost way, way more to make. So when you put a game out that only sells 5 million copies and you've spent five years and hundreds of millions of dollars on it, you're not going to make that much money. And I think as, you're, as you touched on with Ratchet and Clank, Returnal, some of these other games that clearly had a big budget and didn't sell millions and millions of copies, um, yeah, you're going to make less money because you spent a lot of money to put these games out. And so there are a lot of things worth discussing. Um, the $70 price point, a lot of people are saying that that's, that's the reason. Maybe less people are willing to buy games at 70 bucks. And that could be the case. I think it's still too early to say. We're seeing Ubisoft get in the space. I can pretty much ensure and guarantee you that Call of Duty releasing at 70 bucks is not going to impact its number of sales. A number of units so i don't know that 70 dollars inherently is the problem for some people sure and this is an xbox centric show so a lot yeah. of people here in the chat are used to paying 60 bucks so they're going to say 70 bucks is the problem um but there are so many factors that we we can point to right now and it is really interesting and that is why in my opinion playstation is buying bungie and saying you know what bungie please please be multi-platform you you know what even though we're not technically owning you, we're not getting a ton of exclusive content, you have a steady revenue stream. Dear Lord, we need that steady revenue stream because you can't really in this day and age run an entire business off five-year big dumps. You can't wait, spend hundreds of million dollars, wait five years, and then start recouping on that. You need, as much as we kind of criticize this live service trend, you need at least one or two you know, keep things going, keep that steady revenue stream so you can invest in these projects. And that is why PlayStation is leaning more into multiplayer stuff. That is why PlayStation is acquiring Bungie because they're trying to set themselves up so they don't have to, you know, have their games take a hit in quality and still, you know, get on the, the upper side of that, that profit register. Yeah. You know, Miles is, is wild to me thinking about it, you know, Ratchet and Clank, Returnal, those games are just places or five games, right? But when you talk about like a game like Miles Moratis that came out for both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 was a huge success, huge, huge success for PlayStation. So it makes sense why God of War 
is going to be on two on both consoles though, cross gen, right? With with the PS4 and PS5 because it business wise they make sense, right? Now for the PC side of things, I agree with you. I think there's going to be a time that PlayStation is going to say, you know what, it, it's working out. There's been we've been testing releasing games on the PC and it's been selling well. Why not release both at the same time for yeah. the console version and the PC version? And at the same time, there's going to be PC owners that be like, hey, I think I want to buy a, a PlayStation 5 console because they want to do the whole, like how it is with Xbox, cross-saves. I can still play it on PC, also play it on, on console. So business-wise, it will make sense, man. You know, And I know there's a lot of people, especially us talking about $70 games, right? Again, if you want the service to be a success, the PlayStation Plus service, the new one, why, instead of these ridiculous tiers that they have, I don't like it, but why not have those games available day one there? And it also will be a huge business move for, for PlayStation, you know? So right now, I feel like they're just testing the water to see which one is, is going to work out. Plus, doing research on on the things that's been working out for Xbox. And I think eventually it's going to happen. If, if we are more vocal about it online, I think we're going to get to see that from them. I, I want it. I would sign up. Again, I have PlayStation Plus Essential, just just the basic tier. Because mm -hmm. like you said, I haven't been too thrilled by the offering because I already have Game Pass. So a lot of the mm -hmm. titles there, you know, they're either in Game Pass or stuff I've played. If you are brand new to the PlayStation ecosystem, I understand the value there. And I'm glad that they have that offering because that is one of the main reasons that we're seeing so much new adoption in the Xbox ecosystem. Because you can get a Series S and you can get Game Pass. Boom, hundreds, 500 plus games out the door for like $315, baby. Let's go. That mm -hmm. deal, that value... PlayStation didn't have an answer to that value. They didn't, not even close. And so that is why, because of the pressures, because of the community, because of people going online and saying, Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass, PlayStation's like, dude, shut up about Game Pass, all right? Here, mm -hmm. here, we're going to give you some new tiers. This will do it. And like you said, I hope this is the starting point of them shifting their business because when you are an established business of this scale, you can't on a dime be like, boom, day and date, baby, let's go. Our competition's mm -hmm. doing it. We know you want it. They have to carefully market it. They have to talk about the value proposition of their of their console. They have to talk about how they have the best games, you know, the best ecosystem, you know, the typical marketing stuff until mm -hmm. they can get to a point and then they say, boom, baby, guess what? You can play the best games in the industry day one on PlayStation Plus Platinum, whatever they call their, their tier. Because if there was a baller tier that had day and date, people would pay for it, dude. People would pay the extra... 15, 20 bucks a month, whatever, whatever they want to try. I don't know what they would charge if they're going to mm -hmm. try to have a one-to-one -one price comparison with Game Pass. But that being said, I, I imagine behind the scenes, there are conversations to say, hey, you know, how do we get closer to that? And more specifically, mm -hmm. there are probably conversations that say, how do we beat Game Pass? How do we do a service better than Xbox Game Pass? Because when we talk about competition, you don't want to say, how do we do that? I, I just want to do what they're doing. No, that's not the conversation. You want to say, mm -hmm. how do I offer something that is better than what they're doing? And so, you know, yeah, yeah, you're go. right. Yeah, I have to say this, you know, um, for the ridiculous fanboys that's tr tr treating this as like, you know, Xbox versus PlayStation, all this nonsense, it's just, it, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But I want to say this, man. You know, competition is great at the end of the day because 
that will be helpful not only for the industry but also us as consumers now we have a lot more options man right when this competition the prices will go down if you go back in history if you go back in history remember when xbox live gold was not giving no free games monthly back in the days and it was because of playstation once playstation plus came out yeah now they're now that we're offering two free games then what happened they saw xbox saw the success of that Oh my God, we have to, we have, we're losing subscribers. We're losing people. Let's add it to the service. They did the same exact thing. What happened now? Xbox Game Pass is looking great. The numbers is high. It's profitable, profitable for, for Microsoft. PlayStation had to do the change too for PlayStation Plus. At the end of the day, competition is great for the consumers. So those console, uh, console fanboys out there, man, learn your history and shut the F up. And move forward, man. Just enjoy gaming. That's it, man. Just yeah, it a lot right. of a lot of the conversations when we when we look at Twitter, it's it. You know, there's a lot of a small group of loud people yes. trying to like ch- bang the drum about their brand or whatever. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, this is and, an Xbox show. I'm having fun. Yeah. Like I'm not afraid to say that I gener- generally play on Xbox. It's the platform I play on the most. But that being said, um. You know, you need to criticize where it's necessary and you need to celebrate when it's necessary. I I get so annoyed when I come on the show and say something good about Nintendo and somebody's like, duh, Nintendo sucks. I'm like, oh, stop. No. If that no. is your stance, you're not looking at the industry. You're looking at yeah. your bubble. You want to you want to celebrate that bubble. You want that mm-hmm. bubble to be the 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 reality when that bubble is not. That bubble is just a fraction, a small little slice of this big picture. And if you're writing off anyone right now. In this current climate, you're not, you don't get the big picture. You're not looking at the big picture. Yeah. Miles, think about this, man. Remember when Xbox announced that the games were coming on PC? What was it that a lot of the fanboys would say? Oh, you don't care that, about, you don't care you about don't console care, players anymore. You don't care about console player game, uh, now. You're losing money, all this stuff. And Xbox kept on going, doing that, right? Releasing games mm-hmm. through there, through the service, and uh, uh, not only through Steam, but you know, through also Xbox Game Pass, PC, etc. Right? It worked out, and PlayStation's doing the same exact thing. So it's like there's nothing wrong with that, man. Now there's so many choices for us gamers, man. Competition is great. The more competition we we see from all these companies, that's gonna be better for us, man, as gamers, man. You know, mm-hmm. so. That's why when I see on Twitter of people saying, "Oh my God, Xbox is losing, uh, losing business," and also PlayStation, no man, it's just a bad right now. The economy is just not that great right now because of different reasons, you know. But at the end of the day, we have more games than ever, more options than ever, right? Now we have w- different ways to play games, and and the business is growing, and and. We're seeing more new gamers get into the industry and buying, you know, buying games and getting into the community. You know, so it's a great time to be a gamer overall, man. Yeah. You know, back 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 in the early days, we didn't have that option. It's either you have one console or the next, and we had to just wait. And back then, games were seventy dollars too. There was no Game Pass. There was no PlayStation Plus back then. You know, so it, it, things are getting better. I think, man. You know, so not only these companies are changing the industry but us as consumers because of the help we're buying all these games is helping the industry overall man you know so it's a win-win for everybody man i've been playing games with my sister recently and she like we used to growing up we Mm -hmm. in my family each of i had a younger sister and a younger brother and we all had our own console we all had Mm -hmm. i had xbox my brother had gamecube my sister had playstation 2 
And it's funny because, you know, my sister, like we, we, you know, we live in different states, so we didn't haven't played games in, in like a decade. Uh, we started playing Evil Dead the game together, and she's a, she's a diehard PlayStation person. Will not get an Xbox, doesn't care about getting an Xbox, but we can go online and we can play Evil Dead. And, you know, talking to her about, you know, where my friend group plays, because all of us are in Xbox party chat. So we we basically made her download the Xbox app on her phone to be able to like party chat with us because the game chat in Evil Dead is terrible. Now that there's Discord, we'll have some more options. But, you know, talking to her and getting her in and hanging out with the group and then telling her about Xbox Game Pass and stuff like that. She's now she's now she's hitting me up. She's like, all right, where do I get a Series X? How do I, how do I get a Series X now? And so, you know, that's what I love about this kind of more integrated unified front is it's less about where you're playing and it's more about mm -hmm. what you're playing and who you're playing with. And I think that is one of the main reasons I am excited about Xbox's futures because they're leaning into that. They don't really care what hardware you're on, where you're playing. They just want you playing the games. And that for me, mm -hmm. that's most important because like I said, I know not everyone can have the means to buy all the consoles. But there, that is the reason that I go out of my way to make sure I have the Xbox, I have the PlayStation, I have the Switch, I have the PC. So no matter where a great game is, if you put out a great game, I will go to you. And that's, again, as much as we, we talk about exclusives here, there, there is some weight to that. And that is why we see a lot of platform exclusives. But mm -hmm. ultimately, it's not as cut and dry as it was once upon a time. No, it wasn't, and and I just hope to see more announcements from from Xbox, especially especially S Cloud, available in, in other countries. You know, uh, if they have that in, like, let's say, Latin America, there's only certain countries that have access to S Cloud and Game Pass, right? So, yep. uh, I want that to grow even more, man, because you know, especially in having conversation with people that have been contacting us on Gamer Tag Radio, just like I, I just want to see how it is gaming in your area games to buy a game at a different country is very expensive compared to yeah, the states right that's, that's important to touch right? on as well yeah but if if xbox managed to have game pass available everywhere and also s cloud access for for gamers that just don't want to buy games but they're willing to pay the monthly service it's going to be a great great business business move for xbox man especially Latin America, like there's so many gamers there, so many gamers that they're still to this day, they're probably playing Xbox One or PlayStation 4 games because it's the cheaper route, right? Yeah. But imagine having those games available on on an Android device in Latin America. Huge move for, for Xbox. That's why I laugh when people see like oh why xbox now is having their games now on mobile that's why because there's billions and billions of people that have the device billions of people you know so it's a smart smart move man and you don't think that places is going to do the same exact thing in the future of course if it's working for xbox they're going to do the same exact thing too man it's 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 a just a, a great move overall yeah and again i see people you know st being so hardcore set in their ideals of PlayStation won't do this, Xbox won't do this, whatever the case may be. But the reality is there are probably conversations happening right now that are the exact opposite. They are figuring out how they can do it, how they can justify it. And in the meantime, they can't come out and say like, yeah, we understand we need to do better. We understand we're not, you know, doing what you want us to do. They have to swing their, their platform and make their platform appealing right now. So you go out and buy it right now. 
But yeah, PlayStation is is adapting. There is no way PlayStation is sitting back and saying, all right, yeah, we're going to let Xbox lead this segment of the industry. We're, we we don't have any interest in competing there. Um, I don't think that's that's not the reality. Yeah, I see a lot of potential, man, for the future. It's looking great. It's looking really, really good. And yeah, you know, the earnings earnings is going to change overall, man. It, that's going to be good and bad, you know, depending on what's happening overall, the economy worldwide. But I, I think Xbox and PlayStation and just gaming overall, we're in a really, really good place, man, in the industry, you know. And it's going to change and it's, and, and that's going to be uh, a great thing for just us consumers that just go out there and buy these games and everything. So it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Give it time. Give it time. All right, uh, for the people watching us live, if you were stoked, amped up to talk about acquisitions, hit that like button, share this out. I'm gonna get to some super chats here. We have Silent Cypher who says, shout out to the GOAT for having Danny Pena on the show this weekend. Such an awesome guest. You guys rock. Thank you both for all of the great content you release. Hope you have a great weekend. Oh, that's a sweet, that's a sweet super chat. No. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, that, thank you for supporting the show. Yes, <laughs> that means a lot. It's, again, it's it's... It's weird to me that people care and listen at all, so I appreciate it. Uh, Nick W. says, with sales tax, I'm paying about $77 for PlayStation. PS? Oh. I assume maybe a PS game. Yeah, same yeah. boat. It's about yeah, close to 80 bucks after tax for a, a new, brand new $70 game. And To touch on the $70 price point real quick, mm-hmm. nobody wants to pay more money. That's my stance. I, I see a lot of people like saying, are you willing? Do you want to pay more money? Nobody does. Nobody's just excited to pay $10 more for anything. No matter what it is on this planet. I was making a joke last week about how that would be like getting stoked when your Comcast bill goes up. Yes, Comcast, I appreciate you. I'm stoked to give you more money. Nobody wants to pay more. The, real, the bigger question is, will people pay more? Are people going to be willing to pay more? Um, and that's, you know, we're going to need to wait and see how, as more and more publishers enter that space, as games like Skull and Bones come out, as Call of Duty comes out, Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare, I think is going to be a really interesting example to see how that does, because, um, that is a big game. Call of Duty is always big, but Modern Warfare in particular, that's, that's the cream of the crop, baby. That's the biggest Call of Duty's ever been. Mm -hmm. Man, 70 bucks. Oh, that's rough. Especially in other countries like Australia. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. a lot of money. Yeah. Well, you know, and again, I'm not here to tell you what, what's worth it to you. Um, if it's not worth it to you, don't buy it. And like yeah. Danny said earlier, if you want to speak with your wallet, do it. You are empowered to do so. If $70 are a deal, if that's a deal breaker for you, don't buy those games. And you have the option. You have the option overall. That's it. But I, I do find it funny when I see people are like, I'm not paying 70 bucks for a game, post a picture of their $400 collector's edition. And they're like, I won't pay $70 for a game base game, but I'll pay $400 for this statue. And again, I'm not here to tell you what's worth $70. I'm not here to tell you what's worth $400, but I think we're going to see a lot more people trying 70 bucks. Even, mm-hmm. even Xbox. I know people don't want to hear it, but I think Xbox is going to dabble. They're going to dabble at that $70 price point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think uh, now, now you know why places having those that that service and xbox has a game xbox game pass because they know people are going to go with the cheaper route they'd rather yep. pay 10, 9.99 a month or 15 dollars a month than buying a 70 dollar game 
Yeah, you don't want to oh, pay yeah. 70 bucks for a game? We have just the solution for you, baby. Xbox Game Pass. Here you go. Yeah. Here you go. Uh, one more super chat here from Silent Cypher, who says, I only bust Nintendo's chops as a joke and only around Mr. Joanna Dark because he gets in such a fit when I do. I know. I'm horrible. I know. We got main offenders like Rand. Randall Fraud 19 pretends like he's anti-Nintendo. Phony. Yeah. Big phony. He's a fan behind the scenes. Uh-huh. Yeah. We, we, yeah, yeah. We play a lot of Switch stuff together behind the scenes. Even, even Pokemon. He's, he's showed me his receipt for the pre-order for Pokemon Scarlet. So. Yeah. Have you don't, seen this poster? This poster in, in this room? It's uh-huh. Don't Pokemon, buy into Pokemon. his lies. All right, Danny. Let's talk about an acquisition rumor that's, that's existed for quite some time. But mm-hmm. a recent interview from the studio head of Idos Montreal with Game, GamesIndustry.biz this week has has resurfaced that and put a lot more focus on this particular acquisition on the Sony camp. And that is the possibility of Sony buying Square Enix. And after Square Enix announced that they were selling off their Western studios to Embracer Group, those rumors were feverish. A lot of people were looking at, you know, the acquisition propositions and saying, you know, maybe they are selling off the Western divisions because they want to make that acquisition nice and clean and easy. And you have your your breadwinning Japanese support over here. You put that in one package. Mm, that's tasty. Tony wants a little piece of that. And so in this interview, the head of Eidos Montreal was asked that if there was any credence to that possibility that that was the reason. And he mentioned that that wasn't so much the reason as there was pressure from the Japanese division to make sure that these games were more profitable and to make sure that there was more money coming in from these projects. And unfortunately, a lot of the Western teams were not delivering a ton of profit on their releases. You saw the meme of Square Enix every time a game released. This game underperformed. This game underperformed. This game underperformed. And it sounds like and I've talked to some people, you know, off record about this behind the scenes as well, that Square Enix was just kind of looking at the Western division as like a weird bastard child and said, you know what? Somebody else, please. Somebody else, please take these guys because we don't want to deal with that anymore. Mm. That seems like that was more the vibe than trying to make this more appealing for an acquisition. But he did mention that Sony may have their targets on a specific segment of Square Enix, and that is Square Enix Tokyo, the studio behind the mainline Kingdom Hearts titles. So, Danny, Mm -hmm. with all of these recent developments, with all of these rumors, do you think that Sony is looking to take a little piece of Square Enix? Nothing surprises me now anymore, man. I remember waking up, and you get to see the news, Xbox bought Bethesda. You remember that? Like, uh huh, yeah. That was like the big talk. Then, after that, you hear the news about Xbox buying Activision and Blizzard. Huge, huge news. Nothing surprises me anymore, man. For me, like, I think it will be a very smart move for for Sony. I think uh, the the relationship with with Square Enix and, and PlayStation has been had been a big and and a very close relationship with them since the 90s especially when um Final Fantasy 7 came out for for the first PlayStation first PlayStation I think this would be a good move for 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 the company if, they, if that happens you know um one I think when you're th- when you think about Final Fantasy 
where you're going to buy it, the majority of people are going to say PlayStation, not Xbox, not Nintendo. Um, I think this would be a great move for them if this happens, man. You know, uh, especially, especially if it's like a studio that also worked on on Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy, and, and other games, man. So, yeah, I think it will be great if that yeah. happens. When we it's talk just going to suck. It's going to suck for an Xbox player, <laughs> but... Yeah, if, if Sony buys the entirety of Square Enix, which that one I'm still kind of unsure of because mm-hmm. less so, you know, obviously PlayStation has a good relationship with Square and obviously PlayStation really wants that brand association with Final Fantasy and that's why they're being so aggressive with the exclusivity deals for the Final Fantasy VII remake and then mm-hmm. Final Fantasy sixteen. But Square also has a really powerful relationship with Nintendo. And a lot of the biggest Square Enix titles over the last several years have actually been Nintendo exclusives initially. That's and so true. That's, right. the, that's the part where if you're Square, going exclusive with Sony seems like a weird move. Because I don't know that Sony as a platform can completely offset the profits you're getting on the multi-platform side and then the Nintendo side as well. So that's where things get a little more complicated. I'm in the same boat with you when it comes to at this point, never say never. I'm not going to tell you that something's never going to happen. I didn't think Xbox would ever buy Activision Blizzard. I didn't think that was a deal that they would even consider. And here we are. They're going through the, the, the hoops, and they are potentially going to own Activision Blizzard King in the biggest video game acquisition ever in the industry. So I'm not going to say never. But when we talk about Square Enix Tokyo as a target studio, that, that makes sense. That is interesting to me because Sony, as we're talking about, they understand that they need to increase their output of games. They need to have a steady stream of titles and they need to have more studios to do that. So we've seen PlayStation buying a lot of studios as well in recent years to ensure that they're not waiting two years They're between games and they're making sure that they want to have a steady flow. So buying a studio that they have a good relationship with, that does make some sense to me. And that is something I think is potentially a little more likely but yeah like you said um would be a wild turn of events if sony just bought the entirety of square that i think that let me tell you that would be huge uh and actually the type of games that playstation needs it besides a third person type of game rpgs it, the more rpgs we get to see the system i think that would be good for 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 the console you know so it makes sense why they could go that route it would be especially interesting because we'd have this hard cultural divide almost essentially between Xbox and PlayStation where Xbox is heavily investing in Western RPGs. You have Bethesda, you have Obsidian, you have all of these talented Western developers and then PlayStation would have a lot of Japanese Eastern developers as well, like a ton on that side. So you would have this weird like polar opposite. Like if you want JRPGs, you have to buy a PlayStation and if you want Western RPGs, you have to buy an Xbox. And so that would be that would be interesting as well. Um, again, as we move to this future, I I do like a world where we do have healthy, strong third party publishers who just put their games out on everything. I know Square has gotten some flack from people within the Xbox community saying that they don't care about the Xbox audience. Um, they don't care about the platform. And so if Sony buys them, whatever, it wouldn't be a big deal. Um, but it would be a little disappointing to see more and more of these big third-party publishers dwindle away. And mm-hmm. even with the Activision Blizzard deal, Xbox has stressed that a lot of these franchises are going to remain multi-platform. And so mm-hmm. Game Pass will be the differentiator. So you, if you want to play these games day and day without paying 70 bucks, 
Game Pass, baby. You can still play them on these other platforms, mm-hmm. but there will be a contingent of games that are not exclusive. Obviously, I think there will be some exclusive content from the ABK deal, but as we're seeing with that, as we're seeing with Sony and Bungie, clearly these companies are okay buying a big studio or big publisher and releasing multi-platform games. And I think that's interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I remember when uh, I had uh, Phil Spencer on a podcast for a 1,000 episode. He actually, the day that he tweeted that he was going to be on the show, he was actually in Japan. He oh. tweeted, I think, he tweeted like around 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, around there. So when that was happening, we had a conversation on our show about, you know, Xbox acquiring studios in Japan and everything like that. Are we going to get to see that? He gave us some hints here and there, right? But here's the thing. There's reasons why we're getting to see more of these Japanese, especially Japanese RPG games now available on the on the service, like Xbox Game Pass, uh, because it's different. That's an extra way for these studios to make more money, man. You know, so there's might be reasons why we might see, uh, you know, like now Persona, the Persona games are going to come out on Xbox. Yeah, hey, let's go. I'm very excited for that. You know, things like that. And this will be something pretty big for for PlayStation. I know there are discussion earlier of releasing games day one on the service and also on PC. This will be a huge thing for, for them to have a game like, let's say, Final Fantasy Remake, the next game, have it available exclusively on PlayStation now on day one to the service like there will be so many people that will subscribe and if you don't subscribe you you'll you buy the game so business it makes a lot more sense man because i think just having the same type of games over and over um and not having a first person shooter not having an exclusive rpg games it hurts playstation because i feel like the company is known for having great jrpgs man more than any other company and also nintendo too yeah um so when you think about Final Fantasy, you don't think about Xbox. You think about PlayStation more than Nintendo Switch, I think, personally for me. Back in the 90s, it made sense for Final Fantasy coming out for the Super NES, right? But once Final Fantasy VII came out on PlayStation 1, it was a game changer for Square Enix, man. And so many games came out after that, right? And I remember I was at one of the press conferences at Xbox, and they announced that Final Fantasy was coming to Xbox for the first time. Do you remember that? That was like... Yes, Final uh, Fantasy 13. 13. No, I guess 11 technically came first. Something something like that, yeah. But the crowd went nuts. But here's the thing. If the numbers are low compared to PlayStation and Switch, third parties are going to move on, and they'd rather focus on where more more people are going to be playing their games, you know? So the only way where we're going to see more of those type of games on Xbox. Like you said, it's the Xbox Game Pass, man, because now the numbers are going to increase of engagement and also plus the people are actually going to be playing these games too there. So that was a very long-winded answer, but, you know, I, I think that would be good, man, overall, man, for for Xbox. So Yeah, there it, it, would, it would be an interesting development. And we're in this period of time where clearly people are not afraid to invest huge amounts of money into securing content for their platform or their publishing group or whatever it might be. There's a yeah. reason there's the embracers of the world who they're not even a publisher. They're just a big pile of money that's just scooping up a bunch, a bunch of teams because they understand there's money to be made in the games industry. So let me get to a super chat here from Assassin regarding this topic that says, 
I doubt Sony will buy Square Enix. Sony's increased censorship, shuttering of Japan studio, and growing disrespect for its home market is making Japanese devs become more hesitant to work with Sony. There are some interesting things that we can point to that show for the PS5, the PlayStation console brand, a slight decline in, in their, their home market. Um, but I would argue that PlayStation has kind of shifted to become more of a global brand than, a, you know, they started in Japan. Japan is obviously very important for them. And there has been a weird decline. And Switch, if we're talking about Japan right now, Switch is the dominating force. You cannot touch the Switch in Japan. You can't even come close. I don't care what brand loyalty. I don't care what IPs you have. The Switch is dominating that market. And again, I think that's, you know, the, we're seeing some growth with Xbox, with the Series S, having that, that value price point, and that's important. Portability is also very important in that market. Um, but yes, there, there are some interesting things that show some opportunities for Xbox right now with Japan. You touched on Xbox investing in Japan. That is absolutely true. Xbox has people in Japan stationed permanently in Japan. They have a, I don't think it's a separate marketing or publishing division, but there is a team, a Japan publishing team that is focused on Japanese developed projects. So they are working hard to make sure that they have some noteworthy big Japanese releases. And once we start seeing those, I'm hoping like we saw with the Xbox and the Xbox 360, you get people excited about that because people downplay titles like Dead or Alive 4. I think it was Dead or Alive 4, which was on 360. That game had a massive attach rate. One third of people who bought an Xbox 360 in Japan bought Dead or Alive 4. That is huge. That That is yeah. a massive attach rate. So Xbox clearly, when they invest in those titles that have the appeal in a Japanese audience, are more inclined to grow. And there was a period of time where they just didn't do that. Not in any capa any meaningful capacity anyway. Yeah, you know what I would love to see in the future from Xbox is... The return of Lost Odyssey and maybe Blue Dragon bringing back and just doing a new version from now because that those two games are pretty good, man. At that time and when it came out, you know, and uh, I think if Xbox could acquire the right studio to work on those games in Japan, oh man, it will be huge for the RPG, a JRPG fan community, man. For mm -hmm. for especially for yeah. Xbox and have it on Game Pass Day One, genius. Genius, Do it. Please, yeah. if, you can't, work on it. <laughs> if you can't get Final Fantasy, if PlayStation is just locking that down, give us give something else. Yeah, I mean, hook it up. There are other great RPG franchises. The Tales series has kind of exploded. And for me personally, I think that's kind of the new gold standard for, for action RPGs and JRPGs. Tales of Arise, that game was incredible. That game was yeah. so, so good. That was a huge multi-platform game that sold incredibly well. So... Final Fantasy isn't the end-all, be-all in the JRPG space. Clearly, a lot of people hold it near and dear to their heart. PlayStation, you talked about Square Enix, like looking at Final Fantasy VII as a huge deal. Clearly, it was. But I think Final Fantasy VII, almost in a line with Halo Combat Evolved for the original Xbox, that was the defining title for that platform. That is the title that put that platform on the map and made people say, I need a PlayStation. I want to play Final Fantasy VII. That looks wild. I'm buying it, much like Halo did with the original Xbox. So clearly PlayStation sees value in Final Fantasy VII, and that's why they're just they're holding on to it for dear life. Yeah. And you know another game that would be good too for, for Xbox to work on? A new another one? Hey, a new Phantom Dust. Let's make it happen. Let's go. Music Let's go. Danny, Let's music go. to my ears. Bo Let ah. me tell you, man. Let me tell you that first game. 
game changer for the original Xbox. And when it came out, it was only $20. Back in those days, it was $20, that game. And I know that Xbox tried to do like a remake or remaster. Uh, I know it didn't work out, but originally when we got to see the first footage of Phantom Dust when it when it was originally coming coming out for Xbox One. Was it Xbox One? Yeah. Um it looked very different than the version that came out because it was a totally different studio to work on that and that game. And so I hope that Xbox have these opportunities to bring back those iconic games that came out for the early days on Xbox 360 and X and the original Xbox. Phantom Dust, Lost Odyssey, Blue Dragon. Get a studio to work on those games and release it now, now for this gen and have it on Xbox Game Pass. And that could be the beginning of great, great games that's Xbox first party in Japan. So make it happen, Phil. Make it happen. Phil! You promised me a Phantom Dust reboot. You came out on stage. You showed the world a new trailer for a Phantom Dust reboot. I know you love Phantom Dust. I yes. know it's an important game to a lot of people. There's been this kind of resurgence because a whole new people have been introduced to this game via, uh, I forget the YouTuber. YouTuber made a basically mini documentary about Phantom Dust and why it's so special. And to this day, there is nothing like Phantom Dust. Phantom Dust is one of the most unique, creative video games that has ever existed. It's a beautiful blend of Magic the Gathering with its deck building system and Dragon Ball Z in this like arena fighting setting. So good, so incredible. So much potential there. And now that Xbox has all of these teams, they're investing in Xbox Game Pass. The the arena market, the deck building market right now is huge. That game was so ahead of its time in so many areas. I will not rest until we have a new Phantom Dust. I will be talking about Phantom Dust every single day of my life until we yes. have Phantom Dust. So, yes. Phil, you, if you want to shut me up ever, you better just do it, all right? Yeah. I've, I've joked about how I've talked to like studio heads from different development teams who said, yeah, I'd do it. They, they, so you can't tell me there aren't teams who would do Phantom Dust. And you can't tell me you don't have the money to develop Phantom Dust. So what's mm -hmm. the deal? What's the holdup? Yeah, I think the way how they market the last game for this gen, it, it, for last gen, is just wasn't that great. So I just hope it's not a failure to them, maybe, because not a lot of people get the whole game and everything, man. But there's an opportunity to develop a new version and have a Japanese a Japanese studio first party Xbox JRPGs or RPG games like this it was, this will be amazing make, make opportunity it, for them make it a make free it to, yeah make it a free to play competitive game because it's it's arena combat we're in this golden age where a lot of competitive where multiverses came out and exploded people were loving multiverses you can do competitive multiplayer right, and with the deck building system of Phantom Dust, you can really lean into that and make it so anybody... You can download Phantom Dust right now and play it for free. The remastered version is free on Xbox, but you're telling somebody to go back and play a game that's 20 years old, and it's a remaster. It still, in my opinion, holds up from a fundamental perspective, but new audiences, they're not going to be blown away by this original Xbox game in a lot of ways, but the idea... The idea is yes. so good, and they really need to take some time and, and reevaluate how to bring that back. I got some pitches. If you want to sit down, you want to talk about it, let's go. I, I got a 50-page notebook ready to pitch Phantom Dust. So let's, you know, balls in your court, guys. Yeah. You know, I would I, I would love to sit down and have a drink and just have conversations with people at Xbox. Like, hey, man, let me, let's talk about Phantom Dust, man. Like, there was one game 
that had so much potential that was coming out for the original Xbox and it got canceled. It was called True Fantasy Online. Oh, yeah. That game looked like it was ahead of its time. Got canceled. So when I had Phil on the show, I was I told Paris, I'm going to ask that question. I don't care. I, I don't care if it doesn't it doesn't get, get picked up or people don't don't care about my... I, I, as a fan, I was hurt when that game got canceled. So I was like, this is my only opportunity. <laughs> and I asked him, what happened to that game? Why it got it got canceled? He really didn't explain because it was so long time ago. And plus, he wasn't in, involved with that project at all back yeah, then. Yeah. And then he started talking about Sega and f- the new Fantasy Star Online game and, you know, something similar to that. But look, man. Phantom Dust will be another opportunity for us to talk about, man. Like, hey, why not bring it back, man? Miles, this is your project, man. So once you have that project ready, pitch it. Pitch it to the team. Let's go. Let's it's <laughs> Let's it's, go. it's happening. All right. It's not an if, it's a when. All yes. right, Danny? That, that's yes. where I'm at with Phantom Dust. I'm ready. I'll I'll be the, your number one supporter. Let's go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Love that. All right, let's uh we okay, we're running. We got a few minutes. Let's real quick, real, real, really quick. I want to talk about the the launch of multiverses because mm. multiverses has had the biggest fighting game launch of all time by a lot, like a like a obscene amount that I don't think anyone could have anticipated. It is free to play, and I think that is a factor. So let me hit you with some numbers here. Mm-hmm. Multiverses in its open beta. It's not even officially out yet hit 144,000 concurrent players on Steam alone. That's not counting the Xbox player base. That is not counting the PlayStation player base. For reference, Mortal Kombat 11, which was considered one of the other biggest fighting game launches of all time, had a peak player count of 27,000. And Brawlhalla, which was another free-to-play fighter, had 34,000. So this game is huge. Have you been playing, Danny? Have you dipped your toes in? Mm-hmm. who's your main uh for me you know uh there's a couple i like vilma a lot of people don't like her i like vilma yeah vilma's s tier hands down s tier if you know how to play with her she's awesome i like bugs bugs, bugs is a blast just chaos uh, pure chaos shaggy, shaggy was like the default for me like I'll, I'll play it you know but i think vilma and and bugs are my top two favorite favorite characters in the whole game and you, you? uh Look, the reason why this game is success, first of all, the game is fun. Yep. Number two, is easy to play. Um, I love that it's cross-gen, cross-platform, cross-play, right? And and also cross-save. So you could play this on your on any platform. You know, when I played it, it was on PC, and also I played it on the Steam Deck, which plays really, really good on that device. Uh, but I also play it on the console, man. Like it's it's smart. Plus it's free to play game. Genius move from WB. And I love that they got the original voice actors that, to be involved in this game, too. So it's good, man. I know that Nickelodeon released their version of, like, all their characters. Mm-hmm. But the thing, that, the thing that wasn't that great was the, the locations in the game, like the new levels. And there was no voice acting. They just added that now recently because of the success of, of multiverses, you know? So... Um, I think it's great. I think it's huge, and I think this is the beginning. There's so much potential of other W WB characters of being there. Imagine Animaniacs in there. Hey, why not have Neo from the Matrix in there too? Like, there's so many cool opportunities for for WB games to add characters in there, man. 
Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. That's the beauty of it. So first and foremost, Multiverses is a great fighting game. Anyone yes. can pick up and play, much like Smash Bros. Easy to pick up and play, hard to master. And that formula is beautiful. That translates well. It being free to play and cross-play from day one. No matter where you're playing. You're playing on PlayStation, you got a PC buddy. Yo, dude, jump on. Let's do it. Yeah. You can get some rounds in. It's that simple. Um, the free-to-play thing. And the, the fact that WB has committed, like you said, to getting these original voices, getting Matthew Lillard to be Shaggy, things like that. Getting uh, Kevin Conroy to be Batman. And having these moments where Bugs Bunny, but like you touched on Bugs, Bugs comments on everything. The amount of voice lines in that game is ridiculous. Bugs Bunny fighting Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. She knocks you out of the ring. Bugs Bunny says, I winter fell off the map. And it's just stupid little details like that that add up to a really great, amazing experience. And I'm so stoked for the future of it. I've never played. I've played every single platform fighter that's come out. And I've never played one that has gotten this close to giving me that Smash feeling. Because in my opinion, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is the best fighting game that has ever been made. Love Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. This is the first time where I'm looking at it and I'm actually, you know, I'm, you know, I'm hitting my friends up every day. And we were playing this every single day. Granted, yeah. I have hundreds of hours in Smash. I'm not there yet with multiverses. I don't know if I'll get there. But with this trajectory, uh, we're getting close. We're getting real close. Yeah, I, I think... Uh... I, I think this is the beginning for multiverse and plus the release, the release of this open beta, the timing is just perfect because evil's happening in Las Vegas. So Oh yeah. We're we're gonna get to see, you know, comp competition there, man. And who knows if there's any surprises of new characters that could easily be announced at uh at Evo. Mm, they've already That's confirmed Rick us. and Morty. Mm -hmm. But there I don't want to spoil things for people who don't want to hear, but there was a a Discord that was just diving in, leaking a bunch of stuff. And that Ooh, Discord... Of characters? Of uh -huh. new characters? And that oh, Discord's okay. since been hit with a shut this down. So yeah. clearly some of the stuff in those leaks that they have, WB doesn't want people seeing. And there are some uh, wa wild possibilities. Some of the characters Ooh. I saw on that list yeah. um, were characters that I never would have imagined. For Totally forgot, because we get, you have to remember, WB has Cartoon Network, WB has... See, WB has Harry Potter, WB has Lord of the Rings, WB yeah. has Mortal Kombat. So you know, you know Scorpion and Sub-Zero are going to be in this game. Oh, yeah, yeah, for There's sure. There's no way I they're can not. see that. I could definitely see that. But then definitely. you have the horror properties. I think It, you have Pennywise from It is a potential oh here. You got Gizmo from the Gremlins as a Aqua Teen Hunger Force of Adult Swim. Imagine Meatwad in multiverses. Those are those are real possibilities for this game. So isn't this Space Ghost? Is that WB? Space, space Ghost, Ghost, baby. Space oh Ghost. Oh my god, that would be huge. Imagine Space Ghost and like, let's go. There are so many cool. Uh, picking the brain from the Animaniacs. Oh god. Oh and oh yes, Animaniacs. Yes, the yeah, Animaniacs. So yeah, so similar to like when you play Tom and Jerry together, picking the brain could be something similar to that too. That would be cool, like a tag team thing. Oh. Oh, I can see it. I can see oh, it now. Oh, that's why I'm excited. That's why I'm excited. I'm so yeah, like man. I was going down the list, Dexter's Lab, like all of these amazing Cartoon Network things yeah. that I love. Like there are so they put LeBron James in it. Like that's that, where they're at. What are the chances of having Michael Jordan in there too? Because it is think about it, he is part of the Space Jam movie. See, that's it. This is LeBron from Space Jam specifically. 
This yeah. is LeBron from Space Jam. So Michael Jordan versus LeBron to figure out once and for all who's the GOAT? Who's the GOAT? Oh, oh. genius. Make it happen. Oh, dude. Yeah. So, yeah, multiverses. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Such a good game. Such a good game. Um, And I'm shocked because I went in with low, really low expectations, expecting to check it out like Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl and be like, this is fun. It feels good. I like it. And then just to kind of move on after after a couple of weeks. But really, it, really, when I, they, they announced this and they show the presentation, I was like, whoa, this is going to be big because I felt like the messaging was just right. Like, yeah, it was the, just perfect, the reveal right? with Ultra Instinct Shaggy, like yes. leaning into the memes. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, okay, this is gonna be huge. And look, and look. Plus, they gave access to a lot of the media and content creators early, so we had opportunity to play early and and share that that to, mm-hmm. to everybody else. And uh, yeah, this is this is gonna be huge for them. Okay, this might man. be the most successful WV game in a very long time. I think if this continues like this, getting it's- the word out. If they sustain, even if they maintain this level of mm-hmm. engagement, like this will be the biggest multiplayer thing WB has done. And if it Ever. grows beyond this, whew, mm-hmm. we can yeah. have a legit, like competitive, ongoing fighting game. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for it because there's been conflicts with the Smash Bros. competitive community because Nintendo doesn't really lean into it. Like they didn't build Smash to be competitive per se, but people have made it competitive. This game was built to be competitive. And so that's why it's got some exciting potential when it comes to like esports and streamers and stuff like that. And I'm here for it. I'm here for the yep. ride. Yeah, um, same here. All right, let's get to a super chat here from Silent Cypher again. Incredibly generous super chat. I know I've been a- away from the chat and live shows a bit. Been busy with summer. Thank you all for the shows. Really kept my mind busy while working through a lot of family stuff. The content is a nice getaway from adulting. Your content matters that means a lot again i i I talk about it because it's it's cool and awesome that people show up and i always see people apologize for for missing a few episodes or whatever the case might be and don't ever feel like you need to apologize for missing anything like i want the people here to be here not necessarily out of obligation because they want to have fun they want to talk about video games and that's what it's all about so the fact that people tune in every week and listen and, and hang out with us while we talk about video games. It means a lot. So again, thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for hanging out. Silent Cypher and everyone else here. And Danny for taking time out of his weekend to come talk about video games with me. Yeah, I love I love chatting, man. Hey, look, I know you talked about, you know, people are listening and watching this live, but um at the end of the day, you know, my advice for other content creators, man, you never know who's watching, you never know who's listening, man. And uh, it doesn't have to be live for people to watch and support you. They could watch this a month from now. You know, they, by them watching this content, they're still supporting your show. So yeah, continue supporting uh, Miles and 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 whenever you get the chance, if there's any content that you like online, um, even if you're not a content creator at all, just a regular viewer. Please make sure to to support in any different way. If there's donations, if there's even just saying I love your show on the chat, on social, email, it's a great way to support us, man. Because that that will get us excited, and that we know that we're doing a great job with with our content that we're releasing for the public. You know, so yeah, keep it up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's always nice when people take time out of their day to say say something nice about somebody else and something that we can all be a little better about. myself included but it is Mm -hmm. it is awesome that so many folks show up support 
whether it's watching the video versions, listening to the audio versions, t- liking tweets, any of that, that, that's all valuable and it's all greatly appreciated. One more super yep. chat here before we start wrapping up the show from Assassin who says, you forgot the Lego and Fear series, Miles. Oh yeah. That's true. The Fear. I forgot about that. Yeah. Ooh, Fear series? Damn. What is the what is the villain in Sphere? What's the girl? I I forget. I can't remember. But her, just throw her in as a weird grudge character. Sphere is a good series, man. I really enjoy Part One and Two. Really enjoy that game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Danny. That's it. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this show up. Appreciate you hanging out, man. Always love chatting with you. Love your insight. You're someone I've followed in the industry for years and years, even well before I was engaged with it in any capacity. So. It's awesome that you take some time to sit down, talk about video games on your Saturday. One more time for the people hanging with us. Let everyone know where they can find you, dude. Yeah, you can find me uh, at GamerTagRadio.com. Also, you can find us on any podcast app. Just search for GamerTag Radio. And also, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it's Godfrey, G-O-D-F-R-E-E. And if you wanted to see more content, too, make sure to go to X-Play YouTube channel and subscribe. We have a lot of... A lot of content we release Monday through Friday. Um, or you could watch us like on cable or Pluto TV there, man. So yeah, any any support you can, make sure to go out there and, and subscribe and support. Yeah, Thanks. you guys have been doing a lot of really great stuff over at G4. Love all of the the interviews, seeing people like Danny Trejo, Lance Reddick, all of these amazing people uh, coming out, being involved yeah. with the games industry, and you guys being, being a piece of that. So if you haven't checked out yeah. Danny and his crew's work over at G4 and with X-Play... Uh, do it a lot a lot of great stuff over there yeah and one more thing guys danny loves video games coming out very very soon i have an announcement to make in the next couple days but make sure to watch attack of the show vibe check uh live on on tuesday i have a pretty cool announcement to make there yeah go and support go and support yeah appreciate all you appreciate you danny have an amazing weekend and we will catch you next week take care everybody take care